may be seated. Thank you for standing. Sister Chester, if you would come, I want my wife to, to testify this evening. But what an incredible weekend this has been. Only God will be able to truly measure the impact of this meeting, the impact of this place, its leaders and their God is incredible. You guys have blessed our family and continue to do so. I thought about this today. You guys don't just host guests here at Bethlehem, but you heal them. And we thank you for that. You've hosted us many times, and it seems like every time we leave, we leave with a, a blessing, a healing. God doing something in our life, brother and sister Wilson. We appreciate these folks so much that's pulled us through so many times. Preached our first revival in Charleston, West Virginia. I honor your pastor today, Brother Vasquez, Sister Vasquez, their children. Brother V prayed for me yesterday. And I remember when he prayed for me, it just felt so familiar because he's prayed for me so many times at conferences and meetings. And I appreciate my, my friend so very much. And uh, my wife and I appreciate you, and I would like for her to come at this time and just testify. Praise the Lord. Thank you all so much for everything that you're doing. My husband just actually said several things that I was going to say. But I will just reiterate it. Um, this church is just so mightily used in directives for the kingdom. That's the best way that I know how to describe it. Every time that we're around um, Brother and Sister Wilson, Pastor and Sister Vasquez, we always leave with like a direct word. And most of the time they have no clue what's actually going on in our world and our personal lives. But they just pour out and they pour into people. And I'm so, so thankful for that. Um, just... The recap of this weekend, wow, how amazing. And I feel like, yeah, go ahead, give yourselves a hand. Everybody that was involved in that. Um, my husband and I have had so many conversations coming in to this conference. And uh, after I would leave from each service, we would have other conversations about it. And when I first saw the advertisement, I'm just going to be honest, I immediately showed him and I said, I have to know what's going on there at Bethlehem Church. What's driving, what's, how's the spirit leading to, to have this conference? Clearly God is up to something. This was different. I said this to Sister Wilson earlier today. Of course, I'm so thankful for every ladies conference that I've ever been to. They have their place. But what's just happened here this past weekend is distinctly different from just a ladies conference. There is something else going on and I'm so thankful that it is because what I felt impressed yesterday, you know, if, if the women aren't being called, then half of the army of God's kingdom is not fighting the battle, right? We all have a role to play. And I'm so thankful that this church, that Pastor Vasquez, that Sister Elizabeth Hughes, I'm not sure where she's at. Thank you so much for just listening to the voice of God. I'm so thankful that this can be a norm for my daughters. It hasn't been a norm necessarily for us growing up. I'm almost 40. It just hasn't been a norm. But I'm so thankful that it can be a norm for the next generation. And, and somebody has to be willing to chart that course like a pioneer. Brother uh, Osborne spoke about that years ago. The pioneer, you know, blazes the trail. So you all are blazing the trail again for something I think that the, that the Spirit is doing in the kingdom. So I'll just read you one thing that's, it's a little bit comical, but I think it's a recap of the weekend. I shared this with my husband a few days ago. I just happened to come across it on Twitter. It was one of the good things to come across on Twitter, I think. It gave me a laugh, but there's a lot of truth underneath this, too. You know, if you have ears to hear, you can hear something else here as well. So this was written from the perspective of a man, and it says, When I say I want a biblical wife, what people think I mean is I want a wife who is passive and subservient. What I really mean is I want a wife who is totally willing to drive a tent spike into the tyrant's head should the opportunity arise. That is biblical womanhood. And we all, have a, we all have a role in the kingdom. And I'm so thankful for men who are giving place to that. I'm very, very thankful to be married to a man who is uh, confident and humble enough 
to recognize that God calls all sorts of people. And I, I turned around uh, to the people behind me and said, you've been bemoaning the fact that you're following the women preachers all weekend. I've heard it. He knows he's got, to, so he's got some big shoes to feel, right? So uh, I'm looking forward to the word tonight. Thank y'all so much for having us. Thank y'all for always embracing us. We love you so much. I wasn't going to say anything about it since she brought it up. I've been miserable thinking about preaching here tonight. You know, when Brother V first told me about doing this on Sunday night, all I thought about was Sunday night. I didn't think about who was preaching Sunday morning and the day before. I thought it was a blessing. I kind of feel cursed at this point. So I just, I came to this conclusion today. I'm just going to stay in my lane. I know what God's called me to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know my assignment here today. And so I'm going to stick with it. And uh, we're going to press forward. I appreciate my wife so much for uh, uh, her desire to come here. And uh, I was happy to chauffeur her and, and Tori and Lizzie uh, down this way. And I don't even know if y'all saw it, but I broke in here yesterday. I didn't have a pass. Security could have tased me and took me out. But... I was willing to risk it, and I got a blessing. Prayed over me, prophesied. I'm so thankful for what God has done in this place. Let's look to the book. If we've got our Bibles tonight, 2 Peter 2, 4 through 10. I do want to uh, make mention, I have a cousin watching from Alabama. Uh, her name is Rachel Chesser, and I wanted to pay tribute to her and tell her thank you for tuning in to the service um, this evening. 2 Timothy 2 and 4, it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And look at verse number 7, and I want to focus on this tonight. And delivered just Lot, vexed. Everybody say vexed. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. Verse 10 says, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh the lust of uncleanliness and despised government, presumptuous are they. Self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Verse 7, and delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. My message, and I, I, I hope and pray it has the right balance from the weekend to now. But I want to preach this message to you all tonight. Simply remember Lot's life and not just his wife. Remember Lot's life and not just his wife. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for being here tonight. This Bible, this book, it's full of good examples. But there's also poor examples. You can learn from good examples, but if you're wise enough, you'll also learn from bad examples in Scripture and in life. Lot had every advantage imaginable to know the Lord and to live life to the fullest. We read about this. We've observed from the account of Scripture. Lot was taken in and mentored by Abraham. 
He was given so many opportunities to make wise choices, but failed. Somebody say he failed. He had so many opportunities, but failed miserably in strategy. Strategic errors led to destruction and pain. And yes, his wife failed in that fateful moment looking back. But Lot had little vision and godly strategy moving forward. And we must be careful. We must echo the words and be careful as we proceed to not look back. But Lord, help us to understand we need a vision to look forward. And we need a godly strategy to move forward. We need God's help to make holy choices moving forward. Genesis 14 and 12 reads, And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Ashul, brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Don. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and pursued them to Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. He was rescued from enslavement. But instead of returning with Abraham, he chose to return to Sodom. Lot loved Sodom. He loved the opportunities and didn't see the dangers. He was blinded by ambition and failed to see corruption. Scripture gives a graphic picture of Lot's poor decision that led to decline. There was a sequence before the failure. He continued moving closer and closer to Sodom. The Bible says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. And Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly, lifting his eyes and beheld, chose to move, setting his tent toward Sodom, and then eventually moved in to the city. And according to Genesis 19 and 1, he is seen sitting at the gate, which meant he was likely an official in that wicked place. Lot's life is a graphic picture of backsliding, which is real and dangerous and a threat for all of us. Our text said, and delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The New English translation says, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man in anguish over the debauched lifestyle of lawless men, for while he lived among them day by day, that righteous man was tormented, was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and he heard. Vexed, anguished, oppressed is another word. Meaning down and so to give the force of being worn down means to wear down by labor and by toil. But here's what I want to tell you tonight, and I want us to get this understanding. Lot was vexed. 
Lot was being vexed by an atmosphere of his choosing. He was suffering from poor choices. The deliverance of Lot from Sodom was incredible, folks. It's incredible, but it's shocking as well. One could argue that he should have never been there in the first place. Abraham didn't want to see him destroyed, so he took action, and God rescued Lot. And after Abraham interceded, two angels were sent to rescue him and his family. And what happened in chapter 19 is powerful, but it's also sickening. These two angels eventually entered the house of Lot, but the sick, deprived sinners took notice. Later in the evening, a mob came to the door and shouted out to Lot. They wanted the men that entered into that house. And Lot shut the door. And he replied, no, my brothers, no, my brothers. And then, sickingly and shockingly and terribly, he offered his daughters. Again, just baffling, horrible plans by a backslidden heart. Verse 9 stood out to me. And Genesis 19 and 9 says, and they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn and he will, he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. And they press, look at this, and they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. The NET, which is the version I'm reading this year, says they kept pressing in on Lot. They kept pressing in on Lot. A quick note, you never read where these deprived sinners were pressing in on Abraham's door. Because Abraham didn't live in that place. This was Lot's choosing and this was Lot's direction. Lot chose this place to take his family. A place where they kept pressing in on Lot. I want to tell you tonight, it's important and it doesn't matter if you're male, female, guardians, whoever you may be. As leaders... Be careful where you decide to place your family. You got to get a godly Holy Ghost strategy. You got to make sure with your decision that you are not undermining godliness in your life. When you make choices, you need to make sure those choices will never undermine godliness in your life. When you are making a decision and coming to a conclusion, you've got to make sure it's not undermining the spiritual health of your family because there was a lot more to it than Lot's wife. He had a life of poor strategy, always putting his people in poor positions. First John 2 and 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And Lot loved the world. I said Lot loved the world. And Lot's wife loved the world. And Lot's children was raised to love the world. But Lot should have never put his family in that position in the first place. Let me say this to you tonight. You would think after the first rescue of Lot that he would have saw that it's not a good idea to put my family in such a dangerous environment. But that shouldn't be strange to us because there are men that get rescued and delivered out of scenarios to walk right back in it. Again, 
Let me just tell you something, men. Why don't we just save the deliverance and just make wise choices and say, I'm not going to put myself in that situation again to need to get deliverance for my daughters, to need to get deliverance for my wife. Remember Lot's life and not just his wife. But even after Abraham brought him out from capture and slavery, he went right back to Sodom. I want to tell you today, with seriousness in my heart, if we consistently put ourselves in a place where the enemy is pressing in at the door, eventually he's going to break through. You're tired of the pressing and the temptation. Is it possible that you're not where you're supposed to be? You're a little too close to the things of the world. You're a little too close to spirits that's pressing in, trying to take your children, trying to take your wife. Lot, it's time to wake up. We shouldn't need a deliverance every Sunday. We need to make some decisions where we don't have to have deliverance every time we turn around. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for holy deliverance. But Lord, give us wisdom to not put ourselves in places where we're always being pressed by evil influences. Lot had the attitude, I hear you preacher, but I hear it in this place tonight. I hear it, but I've got this. I can manage this. I can help this. And the men said to Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them what he's saying, bring them, you lot, bring them out of this place. For he will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Look at verse 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. The NET says his sons-in-law thought he was ridiculing them. The next morning, the angels became insistent. What are you doing, Lot? Come on, Lot. Do you know what's at stake here? You ain't moving fast enough, Lot. Hurry. Take your wife. Take your two daughters who are here. Get out now. Or you'll be swept into the destruction of the city. ESV says when Lot still hesitated. Can you imagine? We, we, we remember Lot's wife. But we need to remember his life. He still hesitated. And look at what the Bible says. The angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safely outside the city for the Lord was merciful. This has bothered me. This has bothered me when I read it. He's hesitating. It's coming down to it. And the angels had to do what a holy father was supposed to be able to do. Angels had to intervene where daddy
daddy should have been daddy and doing what he was supposed to do. Daddy should have said, come on, mama, we got to get out of this place. We've got to find another place. Let's get the daughters and go. But instead, this backslidden man is hesitating. He don't know whether to come or go. And the angels had to grab him by the hand and take them. Come on. I'll just drop this in there as well, and you're not going to like it. It was said preachers are no angels, but we know the illustration, the types and shadows, the angel of the church speaking and guiding, for the V was, was, was mentioned as an angel for the church. You better be careful when the pastor feels pressured to do what you're supposed to be doing. Thank God for a good pastor. Thank God for a good man of God that'll look around, see the fire, and say, hey, somebody's got to get moving. This place is coming down. Holy Ghost filled dads, hear me. Pastor shouldn't bail you out, your family out. That's your job. You need to get mama by the hand. Get your children by the hand and say, let's get moving. Let's move toward God. Let's get our life together. Let's repent. Let's serve the Lord. He was vexed in his heart. Now he's hesitating. The angels had to seize him by the hand. But you know what is disturbing to me, but what a wonderful picture of grace. That God would go so far with an individual. He's progging him. He's trying to get Lot going, and he ain't going nowhere. And he finally just has to say, all right, I'm going to take you by the hand, and I'm going to get your children, and we're going to get out of here. Got to get you out of here. What grace, what long-suffering, what a God, what leadership. Even with all the mistakes that Lot had made, there was still an intercessor. There was a God who saw fit to rescue and give a man another opportunity we should thank God for his mercy tonight. We should thank God for his grace. But I say this as clear as I can tonight. Let's not ruin our life in such a way that our life requires constant deliverance and redirection. Lot done decently well when he was being delivered and rescued, but he gets caught up during times when he should have been making better decisions. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back and stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you'll be swept away. And keeping good timing of bad decisions, here comes Lot with his compromised, vexed heart. Can't just take the word at face value and do what you're supposed to do. Even on your way out, compromise is lingering. Oh no, my Lord, Lot begged. You've been so gracious to me and saved my life and You've shown such kindness. I can't go into the mountains. Disaster would catch me up there, and I'd soon die. See, there's a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. 
All right, the angel said, I'll grant your request. I will not destroy that little village. But hurry, escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Run for your life, Lot. Don't look back. Go to the mountains, escaping fire and brimstone. Compromise is still in his heart. Astonishingly. I know this, this may, be, may be hard to understand, but I want to tell you something tonight. I don't believe there, there's not enough deliverance to overcome continuous unholy poor choices. At our church, and I'm sure you guys will do the same, we'll pray for you every time. We sure will. We'll help. We'll do our best. We'll pray that God will move. But if your life as a disciple of Christ requires constant deliverance, you're not walking in wisdom. No Christian, no Christian should need a miraculous bailout every service. Seriously, folks, no Christian should live a life that requires you to pray through every week. It, it, it's possible you may just be living too close to Sodom. You may be loving the world a little too much. You may be loving the things of the world a little too much. God gave us a spirit. To direct us. God gave us wisdom to guide us. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. And then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed, along with the other cities, wiping out all the people and even the vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. And centuries later, our Lord and Savior said these words in Luke 17 and 26, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also... As it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in his house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Jesus said it, and we must do it. Remember Lot's wife. But something else to consider is we don't even get her name. I don't believe this is an insult, but you just can't separate his wife from his life. So when you're remembering Lot's wife, you can't forget Lot. I want to say this out loud. She wasn't all the failings of the family unit, but she was for a moment a summarization, a picture that should never be forgotten. In the hands, oh God, of an angel of deliverance, but looking back toward a wicked place. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek 
to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. After all I've experienced this week, after all the wonderful things that God has done, after the mighty move of the Holy Ghost this morning, I've made up my mind I'm going forward and I'm not looking I wish I could get some men in this room right now that would pretend just for a second that we're at men's conference. I'm not going to be Lot. I'm not going to be Lot. You're not going to have to beg me to get my family out of an unholy place. You're not going to have to take me by the hand, angel. All you've got to do is give me the word and I'll go. If the music would come. There needs to be some men right now come out from where you're standing and march your way up here and let your wife and children see it. I'm going forward. I ain't looking back. I'm not going to be lot. I'm not going to treat my children the way Lot treated his children. I'm not going to give them up to ungodly sin. I'm not going to give them up to a perverse world. I'm not going to open the door and let them press in upon me. I'm going to lead them out. I'm going to say... Why you hesitate? Why you hesitate? Why you hesitate, Lot? Can you not see it for what it is? Oh God! God's pulling for somebody tonight. He's trying to shake us tonight. So what's the correct path? Obey his word. Go forward and don't look back. Love the brotherhood. Don't love the world. Some of you in this room, you have agape love for a broken world. When you're supposed to have that love for God and the brotherhood, which is the family of God. That's why he said, loving the world, you're not going to make it. Loving the things of the world, you're not going to make it because you're always going to hesitate. It's always going to be a deal for you. It's always going to be have to contemplate and compromise. At what point will you get to a place that you'll say the salvation of my household is more important to me than all the gold in the world. Hallelujah. God was doing all he could to rescue this family. Abraham rescued him. Angels were sent to rescue him. Angels command and direction. Blinding the sickos. But it wasn't enough for a compromised heart. It wasn't enough. And it'll never be enough. You can go to the greatest church. You can have the greatest pastor. You can have the greatest choir. The greatest of all things. But sir, if you've got compromise in your heart, it's not enough. And I'm just going to be so bold to tell you. Your children need more than a good Sunday school room. They need more than a good pastor. They need more than a good... Can I say it? Can I say it? They need more than a praying mama. They need a dad that'll 
consider the consequence and the ramification of his lack of leading his family. One more thing. I'm almost done. Genesis 19 and 26, but his wife looked back behind back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt and look at verse 27 right there and we get a picture gentlemen read it it says and Abraham got up early in the morning to the place look at this to the place where he stood before the Lord and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. The place where Abraham stood was before the Lord. And so much can be said in this room tonight about just being where you're supposed to be. Oh, my word. Abraham stood and had a view from a distance of what was going on. Meanwhile, Lot's escaping with the skin of his teeth. <laughs> Peter said it in our text, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul day by day with their unlawful deeds. Abraham stood at a distance and observed things he didn't have to battle because he simply was not in that wicked place. My question for you today, are you where God wants you to be? Or are you too close to the world? Is your family where they need to be? And it takes a real man to ask this question. But is your family suffering from the consequences of your decisions? The Apostle Paul said, watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men and be strong. MEV says, watch stand fast in the faith. Be bold like men. And be strong. Quit waiting and praying for the angels to come when you could lead them yourself. No more hesitation. I'm coming. Oh, God. Lift your hands, men. I think it's appropriate in this place, ladies that's experienced this wonderful conference, if you'd pray for these men right now. If your husband's up here, I want you to find him if you can, and I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray with him. Daughters, if your daddy's here, I think it'd be the right thing to do for you to find your daddy and just say a prayer and pray for him right here in this place. All you got, men, let's lift our hands. Let's lift our voices. Let's pray aloud together. Let's pray aloud together. Let's make a vow in this place. Let's make a vow. You've delivered me. I'm coming out of some things. I'm not going to set myself up to go back to them. You've brought us through. You've brought us out. And now, Lord, I'm making a determination. Pray with me. Pray with me, men. I'm making a decision. It was Lot's life that led to that decision. I refuse to do it anymore. In the name of Jesus, I pray strength and courage in the heart of the vulnerable. I pray strength and courage and boldness. It can turn around right now. There don't have to be another rescue from Sodom and Gomorrah. It can end tonight. I'm telling you, men, I'm praying that it ends tonight.
that strength and power and anointing would be received in your heart and you would steadfastly make a decision, a determination. I'm going to be the man that God called me to be. I'm going to be the dad you've called me to be. I'm going to be the father you've called me to be. Hallelujah. I'm going to take the path of the word. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And one more last thing before I'm done. They can sing or Brother V can come, whatever is needed this evening. But man, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to free up both your hands right now, if you would. Free up both your hands right now, if you would. And I want you to look at these hands. I want you to look at your hands. And I want you to think about Lot hesitating. The angel said, get your family and go. But this is where Lot was. He hesitated. He hesitated clock's ticking. He hesitated. He hesitated. And finally there had to be an intervention that required an angel to take his hand and then take his family's hand. Instead of getting to that point, why don't you take these hands and put them where they belong? If you've got your wife and children with you, take them in your hands right now. Come on, I want you to use your imagination tonight, men. And I want you to pray. If you've got your wife, I want you to take her by the hand. And don't you let it wilt in her hand. Hear me? Don't pull any of this dead fish. Get a firm grip. Get a firm grip. If your children are nearby, grab them by the hand and say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Forward into righteousness. Forward into godliness. I will not make decisions that undermine my children's values. I will not make decisions that undermine sanctification. I will not make decisions that leads my family away from God. I'm pulling them out. I'm pulling them forward. You don't have to intervene, angel. I got them by my hands. I'm not going to let go. They're looking to you. They're looking to you.
our hands to heaven all over this building. Man, what a word from God. We have heard, we have heard from God. Oh, what a lesson. I don't know if I've ever heard a better message in all my life for men. And I don't know that I've ever heard a better message that everyone in the church can apply to their own lives. Oh, what a word. Man, I feel the weight of this on my spirit right now. Oh, why don't you do somebody a favor and just lay your hand on them and pray. And just ask God to help them. Young person, older person, whatever. God, help us to make wise decisions in our life. I can't go back and make yesterday's decisions. I can't go back and make last week's last years, 10 years ago. I can't go back and undo any of that, but God, I can make my decisions from now on. God, I can do it from now on. I can make a step. I can make a decision tonight. God, help me to make wise choices, wise decisions. Help me to learn from my mistakes and not repeat them. Give me the grace, oh God, that I need. Now, while you're praying for that person also, I want you to say, God, help me to be gracious to others in the same way that I need grace for myself. We've all been lot at one point or another. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Where's Brother Chester? He's right there you are. Brother Chester, thank you for preaching to us tonight. Thank you. Does anybody have any doubts? that he's the right man to be our national men's ministry director. If you had any doubts before, you shouldn't now. <laughs> Wasn't that a great preaching? Wasn't that great preaching? Amen. I have a privilege. I want you all to step back a little bit here. And I have a great privilege tonight. I have been doing so many baby dedications. And that is so awesome. Amen. I love baby dedications. We are getting ready to dedicate Natalie Joyce Jumper. Any family members that would like to be here with the Jumper family, you're welcome to come up. beautiful little girl. Amen. While they're coming, their oldest daughter, she used to call me Jesus. And so not, not the last Christmas, but the one before we were doing our, our meal that we do for everyone that volunteers. Bishop Wilson, you're going to love this story. We were doing that meal, and she was up trying to get some pizza, so I helped her get some pizza, and I put it on her plate, and I walked with her back to the table, and I set it down, and she looked up at me and said, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I know I'm not him, but it made my day. Isn't this an awesome family? Amen. This, 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 this is family, an extended family of one of the most faith-filled men I ever knew in my life, Brother Ezra Butler. What a great man. Here's what Matthew 1 and 1 says. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ 
the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And on and on it goes. And before it's done, the first 17 verses of the New Testament, we meet 46 people whose life spans 2,000 years of history. All ancestors of Jesus and all descendants of Abraham. There is untold value in the handing down of faith from one generation to the next. And so here we are tonight with Natalie Joyce Jumper, born September the 6th of 2021 at 1.41 p.m., 7 pounds, 11 ounces, and 19.25 inches long. Paternal grandparents are Brenda Cook, David Kitty. Paternal, paternal grandparents are Robert and Susan Stevens. Brother Zach and Sister Candace and this family are precious, valued, treasured members of this church. What we're witnessing tonight is the book of the generation of this child. The handing down of faith from one generation to the next generation. Obeying the commandment of God that we raise our children to know His Word and to serve Him. We come knowing that this child is a miracle. I won't tell the story. Ask Sister Candace, Brother Zach, they can tell you, but this baby's a miracle. One thing we are doing tonight is passing off our faith to another generation. The next thing we are doing is putting our hands on a promise from God that if we will train up a child in the way they should go, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. And so what we're doing is saying, God, we believe your word enough to do what it says. And so as I said this morning and last week, and I'm going to say next week, and I've said a couple weeks before that, and I love doing baby dedications. I can't wait till we have to knock out a wall to build a bigger nursery. Amen. Amen. There's two things that every church ought to love. The cry of a baby in the pew and a cry of a brand new spiritual baby in the altar. Those are the two most precious things that we do. And so what Brother Zach and Sister Candace are doing tonight by bringing this child, they're dedicating themselves to raise her. Inside of this child, there's divine destiny. For God breathed life into her. And with life comes purpose. And with purpose comes mission. And all of that is inside of this precious baby. And it's up to them and them and me and us to mine that destiny out of that child. And so, Brother Zach and Sister Candace have brought Natalie Joyce Jumper to the Lord tonight to pledge themselves to bring her up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So I'm going to ask you, like I've asked every parent for the last several years, if it's your intention to present this child to the Lord and to bring her up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, please answer, we do, to these following promises. Do you on this day recognize that this child is the gift of God and give heart thanks heartfelt thanks for this blessing. Do you on this day dedicate this child to the Lord who gave her to you? Do you on this day promise to give this child every possible benefit of home, school, and church, protect and provide for her all the days of her life? And do you here this day ask God's blessing upon her life to guide, guard, and direct her through all of her years? As I say all the time, 
the two most important. You promise to always raise this child in the truth of God's holy word, putting the Lord first in all matters. And do you promise to live an example of faithfulness, holiness, virtue before this child in such a way that your words and actions do not conflict? Now let me tell you folks, I'm a little more nervous now than I was this morning. The baby this morning was sound asleep. And when I took him in my arms, he didn't have a clue anything was going. She is so wide-eyed right now. And I hope she likes strangers with dark eyebrows. <laughs> Only this once. Amen. Can we stand and pray? Bishop, would you come and offer the prayer? Shall we bow our heads? Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for this wonderful child that you've given these parents, these grandparents, this church. God, tonight we give her to you. We dedicate her to you, asking you, Lord, to give her strength and grace and power. Help her to be an overcomer. Help her to one day find you in full truth and be baptized in your name and filled with your spirit. Give these parents wisdom to lead, guide, and train them and live this life before her that she'll want to know you in fullness. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. And you know what comes next. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you. Hey, can I get your attention before you go? But before you go, they're, they're taking Chris Cook into surgery. He's got a brain tumor. They're going to operate in the morning. And can we pray for him right now and just believe God to be with him in Jesus' name, God. We're asking you, Lord, by the authority of your word and by the power of your name for healing virtue in the name of Jesus, God. We plead your blood for healing. God, we pray that you would touch the doctors and nurses with wisdom and direction to guide them. God, I pray in the name of the Lord for a speedy recovery. God, we believe it and we stand on it by the authority of the word of God. And by the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. God bless you. You're dismissed for the second time.